when you first got to the varsity football team at Big Sandy High School, who was that first person to light you up and welcome you to varsity? Well, back then, uh, things like bull in the ring were still legal. Yeah. And uh, each freshman had to get around, and we were surrounded by about 20 upperclassmen. We were a very small town. And the first guy that fired at me was none other than Lovey Smith. People know <laughs> Lovey because of his professional uh, career. But Lovey was an all-state linebacker, had been all-state for two years in a row, yep. and obviously was getting ready to sign for um, sign with Tulsa to, to be an All-American there. So it was a great wake-up call. But as soon as he hit me, I think the next guy might have been David Overstreet, and then I got up, and then another guy, then another guy, then another <laughs> guy. So that, that was the, the old bull in the ring. We can't do that anymore. So. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast This is, I, I'm, I feel like I'm in a dream right now This is the ultimate uh, honor for me uh, to bring in one of my former coaches We're, This is episode number 91, so we are approaching 100 I can't believe we've, we've been doing this, so I said hey these these episodes in the '90s, they want I want them to be special to Kovo, your host here. And so I've got a guy that that's just very special to me. Uh, he currently serves as the director of athletics and kinesiology department chair at Austin College in Sherman, Texas. But most importantly, he's my coach. He's my former head coach of the Austin College Kangaroos. It's my honor to welcome in Coach David Norman. Man, it's just great to be here. Like I shared with you last night, I've been following your podcast and. It was a very emotional time for me when you asked me to join you, and yeah, I, I'm just honored to to be a part of it, man. All right, and for all the fans out there, if you're if you're loving the show, please uh, leave take the t- ten seconds to give the five star rating. We have 74 on Spotify and 32 on Apple, so we, we're about a hundred ratings. That's really great. If you want to leave a written review, I'll read those on the show. You can hit the follow button to subscribe, and you'll get a new episode when they come out every other Sunday. We would be honored if the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And I'm your host, James Kovaleski. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kobo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. Big Sandy, Texas, Coach. It's about an hour, 45 minutes east of Dallas, maybe a half hour northeast of Tyler. And, you know, so for those of us, I mean, a lot of my listeners are Houston area people, but just describe to us, man, what was was it like growing up in, in East Texas in a Big Sandy? Well, you know, Big Sandy was a small town, still is a small town at that time of 649 people. Mm-hmm. I think the 10 years that my family stayed there, it increased to like 800. Uh, you know, it was a very unique time. My father was the head football coach there and wow. did some great things, won three state championships. Big Sandy had a great history, but my father actually took the program over over the very first year that they desegregated. So it was the very first yeah. year yeah. that the African-American student athletes and the whites played together. 
Yeah. So I was in the fourth grade at that time. Uh, and, and it was just a unique time and, and to see and understand what my father did at that time, not knowing it, it was just monumental. I mean, he, he was remember the Titans before remember the yeah. Titans was cool. And, you know, he was a guy that from, from Mississippi and, you, you know, I'm sure the African-American players were worried about having this football coach from Mississippi, but sure. You know, his first practice, two guys got in a fight. He made everybody take off their clothes down to their jock straps, and he just cut their fingers open, and we all yeah. bled red. And and that wow. and there's so much more to that story. But it was a very unique time. And, you know, we, we had 87 people in high school, so every one of those people are were, were my best friends, and, and we were friends with, with everyone. I mean, varsity football, freshman through senior. Junior high football, sixth grade through eighth grade. There wasn't seventh grade teams or anything like that. Man, coach, I love hearing that. And that's why I love, like, for, for us, even even me, I'm, a, I'm pushing 40 now, coach. I'll be 40 next month. <laughs> we didn't know that time that you experienced. You know, we, we were the benefactors of all the work that people like your dad did to help break down those barriers. And, I mean, anything else you want to add? Because, like you said, it was contentious at the beginning. Of course, the African-American players were concerned at first. I mean, totally understandable. But is the depiction in movies like Remember the Titans, is that fairly accurate? Or is there something different that you saw since you, you were there? No, I think, you know, when you take out the cinema component, it, it's very accurate. Yeah. You know, I remember that, you know, my father, he he would, if he found out there was a uh, a party or a get-together that was one race, he just said we weren't going to do it. And, yeah. you know, the, the, the other thing that's a little bit different, you know, my dad, when he came into Big Sandy, they had not been winning and, you know, he, the first year turned it around and, you know, he, uh, you know, I'd say this, he, he basically owned the town. So, yeah, yeah. you know, he brought, he brought all the people together. Uh, you know, his last year after we won our third state championship, he had a chance to go to a 6A school. The Big Sandy did all they could do to keep him uh, and they kept him because they elected him mayor. So he, <laughs> he, he, was, he was the mayor. All of that story and stuff about my dad, he passed away a few years ago and, yeah. You know, but all that came to highlight it. You know, he was ran in Texas Monthly and and yeah. so many things like that. But but it is true. I mean, we just uh, you know, and it was interesting. We we're about fifty fifty, and I remember coming to Austin College, and we have done a great job, you know, increasing our diversity. But I had never been around so many white people in my life when I came to Austin College. I mean, <laughs> it was just new to me, you know. So anyway, but yeah, it was a unique time, and you know, it just. Uh, and dad just loved kids, you know, and he didn't see color and, and, uh, he, he just really bought a town together. I love to hear that coach. And then what, you know, you, you end up, you know, you were that fourth grader watching from the sidelines, but eventually you grew up and you, you and lovey and all, you know, you entered the high school, you graduated class in 1979, you played football, basketball, track, and golf. I didn't know this about you coach. So you could, you could, you could swing the sticks on the links a little bit. No, let, let's talk about the golf. My, yeah. My, you know, at Big Sandy, uh, if you played football, you had to run track. Sure, I mean, sure. you just had to run track. Yep. And my senior year, I didn't want to run track because I wasn't playing football the next year. I was walking home from school, and the golf team had three people, and they needed a fourth. And they came by and said, hey, David, you want to play golf? I went, sure. And, you know, played in the district uh, district tournament and finished dead last. And then we, our team actually won the district tournament. They only take the top three scores. Yeah. Went to the regional tournament and teed off with like the number two guy. 
I, I promptly hit about 147. He shot, I don't know, an 82. But the next day <laughs> at the regional tournament, they, they paired you by your score, and the entire team waited four hours for me to finish my round. So <laughs> I haven't improved my golf game, but I am a golf letterman from Big Sandy High School. Hey, not a whole lot of people can say that, Coach, man. That, that, not many people, yeah. Uh, that is awesome. And so just, you know, what? let's ask about this, Coach. I mean, what was it like playing for your dad? You know, you always hear those stories of it. it's special, but at the same time, there's pressure. I'm sure your dad didn't want to show any kind of favoritism towards you. So a lot of times the coach's kid actually gets harder coaching. You know, it, you know. What, what are some of your recollections of playing for your dad, Big Sandy? Well, well, you know, I was very fortunate because I was the third son. Oh, and okay. my two older brothers, I think they experienced everything that you talk about. Right. Dad was hard on them. You know, those guys were offensive linemen. They had to, I mean, he was just hard on them. And, and But he loved them, but but as a coach, he held them to a different standard. But by the time I got to high school, and you got to remember at Big Sandy, you know, the head football coach, he's working with junior high too. Yeah. I was a quarterback, and when I was a quarterback, basically my job was to pitch it to a David Overstreet or pitch it to an Alfred Mitchell, that sure. you know, those kind of guys, and then go block. But, you know, I have to say, playing for my dad, it was a very positive experience for me. And and he was very supportive of me. And the other thing that people don't know, I came to Austin College, and then my sophomore year, our offensive coordinator at that time left, and our head coach, Larry Kramer, brought me in the office. And he said, hey, hey David, how would you feel if we offered your, your dad a job? Yeah. And I, of course, he was the best coach, the only coach I ever played with. And I said, I think it would be great. You know, at the college level, I was a defensive player and he was the offensive coordinator. So we didn't have a lot of, you know, we didn't have a lot of interaction. But I was fortunate to be on two teams in college that my dad was on the staff on. I didn't know that. Yeah. Basically, the the only coach that I've known and and his impact, you know, you don't know it. You don't know the impact that people have on you until you know it. And sometimes that's that's when they're gone. Sometimes that's 30 years later. But, um, you know, I owe my dad and mom just like you. Yeah, I, I owe them everything, you know, uh, everything. So I don't have any negative recollections at all about playing for my father. That is awesome, Coach. And then, you know, you, you move on, of course, to Austin College in Sherman, a place you, you haven't left since that time. You know, you, you're still uh, here after all these years, which just shows how special Austin College is. And we've had several Austin College guests come on the show. And it's just it's such a special place for me. But for me as a Houstonian, I, I really didn't know about Austin College. I, I didn't know until I began to receive the letters, you know, and I, you know, you had coach come by the field house, you know, and I went on my visit. Uh, I got to stay at the, I got to stay at the old Luckett hall. You know? <laughs> my freshman year, I was one of those kids that stayed at the Luckett Inn, right. Cause you know, Luckett, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And so I, yeah. I never actually got to live there, but my recruiting trip as a senior in high school, uh, Brian Womack, John Brian. Woods, uh, Caleb yeah. Bynum, those are my hosts. And so th those guys are great guys. And that was a difference coach, because I don't know if I remember, you know, you, us talking about this, but I, I was down between Austin college, Trinity and Texas Lutheran were kind of my three and they're, they're similar schools and schools that we played against and uh -huh. Trinity and TLU had an advantage for me in the, their proximity to my home, right? It's a lot closer, mm -hmm. but man, I got to tell you, coach, the recruiting trip sold it for me. Just it's the people at Austin College, man. I just felt like I fit in and that right right away I felt that. I'm sure you felt the same. So I'm just curious starting with the people. What what are just what was it what was it so special about Austin College that drew you there way back in in 1979? 
Well, the same thing. You know, I had an opportunity in, in Big Sandy when you, if you couldn't follow, you know, Lovey to Tulsa or David Overstreet to Oklahoma, you dreamed of playing at Tyler Junior College. Yeah. I'd already committed to Tyler Junior College. A coach walked in the Big Sandy campus says, hey, you know, I know you're planning on going to this junior college. Will you at least visit? And I had never heard of Austin College, yeah. just like you. And, yeah. you know, we, we don't fight that as much now. But the reality is, is people in the state of Texas aren't, when they're born, they don't dream of going to Austin College sure. to play. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I came to campus. It doesn't look anything like it does now. We have a beautiful campus. I yeah. mean, we've done so much here. But, you know, it was a cold day in January. And I remember driving around campus. And I said, well, I'm here. I'm going to do this visit, but I'll never go to school there. <laughs> I said that before I yeah. got out of my car. Yeah. By that time, I met my host, a guy named Rory Dukes, who was an All-American here. Yeah, uh, That's a funny story there. But he basically just gave me a key to his room and said, here's you uh, a pillow. Have fun. I spent my entire recruiting trip with a, a Chris Looper. Chris Looper is an All-American at Austin College. Chris Looper and one of his buddies, both African-Americans, yeah. because, I, like I said, I, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to get along with those white people. But, anyway, <laughs> but, you know, by the end of the trip, I knew that's where this is where I needed to be. And it's hard to explain it. I mean, but, you know, a lot of it, too, had to do with the follow-up. I remember our head football coach and the guy that recruited me, Vance Morris. Yeah. I love him dearly. I wouldn't be where I am without a Vance Morris. You know, I just remember after I left, you know, it, it was, you know, we didn't have email. We didn't have social media. didn't have all that crap. Yeah. You literally picked up the phone and you talked to people. Yeah. lost that skill. But they just said, we want you at Austin College. And I visited again in the spring. And and I guess the, the rest is history, so to speak. And you know, we had some great times here at Austin College. We, you know, got a great degree, uh, you know, and we had a very special football team. We were 35-7-1, and one, yep. you know, won two conference championships, played played in a national championship game and tied that. So it was the good years to be, to be a football player here for sure. Let's talk about that that vaunted 1981 uh, championship team, Coach. And you were a part of it. Now, what, what What's that like? And let me ask, well, before I back, at Big Sandy, I know you had a good team. Did you guys ever advance all the way to state, or what, what was your – Well, my, my freshman year, we won the state championship. And and when you're a freshman at Big Sandy, if if you look back at that team, you know, that team scored 841 points, gave up 14. So yeah, when you're a freshman, you're playing a lot because you're playing by the second quarter because the score is 45 to nothing or 56 yep. to nothing, you know. So, uh, yeah, that 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 was just an amazing deal. But when I came to Austin College, you know, they had gone three and seven the year before. Really? Wow. Yeah. And had never hadn't had a winning season, had never hadn't won a road trip in 14 years. So we come in with a special group of freshmen. But, you know, if any of our our older guys are listening to this. You know, I have to give credit for that turnaround to that sophomore class, the Larry Hickmans, yeah. the Rory Dukes, yeah. the transfer to Larry Schillings, because they're the ones that went through that three and seven year, laid a foundation, and we were able to just piggyback on that. But, you know, it's funny, we, we never talked about winning. I mean, we never talked about we're going to win a national championship, we're going to win a – we just went out there every day and played as hard as we could, but we were – we were expected to play as, as hard as we could. And and I was not a great player. I was a role player. I did start, you know, my, my senior year. But, 
you know, you got to have those role players too. So I wasn't an yeah. All-American, but I like to say I was a, I was a decent player on a, on a great football team. And those guys embraced us. Everybody knew their role. And that was really a result of our head coach, Larry Kramer. Larry Kramer was an All-American at Nebraska. Uh, Larry Kramer demanded – he demanded excellence. Yeah. And he demanded execution, and he demanded effort. Yeah. And, you know, a lot can be said about talent. And, 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 and you know, talent – Talent's going to beat you every time if they give the same effort and the same sure, execution. Sure, sure. Yeah. There's a lot of great teams out there that do that. You played against some of those guys. Sure, yep. yep. But, uh, you know, he, he it was a different time. He he coached us hard. Um, we knew he had our back, but, you know, it wasn't really a buddy-buddy type of situation. He was yeah. very hard on us, and yeah. and he played the best players, and, and he played, you know, you just you had to earn everything that you got. That's the best thing I can say. He had a great impact on me. Um, you know, you played for me. What an honor. You know, I don't know if I was a very good football coach or not. P- probably not if you look at wins and losses. But I do know that I cared for all of you guys tremendously. Yep. And I and I still care for you. And I hope that if anything can be said, it's just that you knew I had your back when you needed someone to have your back. But, coach, but, man, I, I love that you said that. I mean – life comes full circle and it's like i think i think as a as a kid you think you know everything and you think oh if we just did this offense or that defense you know this would you know and that's not what coaching's about and i mean i even in my career as a coach coach my my career head coaching record is two and 18 i was two and 18 as a head high school football coach here in texas you know what i mean and it that doesn't take away from the work that we put in as a coaching staff and the work that those kids put in i think that's what i learned going through a coaching career is like you're not just defined by your record and you were a hell of a coach. And it's like, as you get older, I look back and it's like, we got to share that special moment together. Um, you know, at, at the hall of honor induction, when I was able to come up there that one year and it's just, those are the moments coach. And I mean, you were always like that for us. And it's like, I don't know. I, I just want to say, thank you, man. I, I love you coach. Well, but, but thank you. And I love you. And thank, thank you. Those names you just brought up and yeah. I was a head football coach for 12 years, you know, over 1200 student athletes. Cross- yeah. But, but, you know, it's funny now that I'm 62, I look at things differently. And, and, and Q, I'll, I want to share with you, you know, you had two, there were two times that you transformed my life and you don't even know it. Really? <laughs> One time was, it was no secret. I had an offer to become an athletic director at a school in our conference. And it was a school you considered, Texas Lutheran. Yeah. And you don't even remember this. You walked into my office. You might have been a junior. Yeah. You said, Coach, man, you know, words kind of gotten around, but, you know, I don't want you to go. And and you named about four or five other guys, and, it's, you know, and you said, I don't want you to go. And, and, and that is one of the main reasons, you know, that I stayed. And, you know, I, I look back at all the young men I coached, and it's funny now because I'm going through this. I'm in the twilight of my career. I mean, yeah. I am. And, God just spend so much time thinking about what I could have done differently. Sure. And, uh, you know, I wasn't perfect. You know, I said things that probably didn't mean, but, you know, at the end of the day, yeah. I, I did love you guys. And then the second time was when you came back at Legends. Yeah. You know, and and I didn't know you were going to be there, and, and we had some special words that were shared. Yeah. But it, but it's just, you know, sometimes you don't get it till you get it. And there yep. are people in my life, I'm 62 years old, you know, and there are people in my life that I'm calling and saying, hey, listen, 
you, you know, it kind of reminds me of AA or something like that. Sure, you, know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I just want you to know, you know, you were right. You had it right. And yep. when I stepped down, you know, from coaching, the most rewarding thing was just the letters that I got from our former players. And yeah. I could have been a better coach and should have been a better coach, <laughs> but you guys, you guys blessed me and you were a coach. Those yeah. young men blessed you. And, yes, and sir. You, you know, coaching has got to be a transformative experience you got to transform lives. You don't transition lives. And, and, you know, that's where I think athletics is losing its scope, especially sure. college. It's all about transitional. Say, let's get this guy. Let's move him on. Let's get a better guy. But yep. you guys were transformational on me. You impacted my life. Just like so many of the other guys did. I'm not going to name names because I'll leave sure. them out. I don't know sure, sure, sure. So it, it just, uh, when you look back over your life, you realize that you truly were blessed. And all of you guys had an impact, but those two things that you don't even remember the Texas Lutheran thing, yeah, it just, it just meant a, it just meant a lot to me, and and I love you, Q. Yes, I sir, you. I love you too, Coach. You know, hey, the, hey, let's let's dig into that conversation we had at Legends a little bit. Too. I'd like to share this for my listeners, and I share this with my kids. So my background is I'm from Sugarland, Texas. I played at Fort Bend Austin High School. As a junior, I was a 195-pound split guard. <laughs> and as a senior, I was a 225-pound offensive lineman, right? I bulked up a little bit. But I was always that fat kid growing up, and I was chubby, so I was an O-lineman. As I got into high school, I did lean out, but I had played O-line my whole life, and I, so I just kept playing it. When I was going into college, though, and again, this, this is what I share with, with my kids that I coached. The outside perception, I guess in my head, was I'm too small to do this. Even though I was coming off of an all-district season in a 6A district in Houston, Texas, you know, a very competitive district, I just said to myself, I'm too small. And so during the – during because, you know, that's just what the – in my head, I mean, offensive linemen are 6'5 and 280 pounds. But, you know, when you, I was being recruited to Austin College, I shared with you guys, hey, I was an offensive lineman. I would like to make the transition to defense. And you guys were extremely supportive and supported that. And I, so I came in as a freshman defensive lineman, got to work under Coach Dawson, who's also – I'm going to get him on the show too, Coach – and he yeah. said hi because I was talking to him this morning. He says, "Tell tell David Norman hi. Tell no, DM hi." He, he's a Mount Rushmore guy. We'll get into that. Yes, in but, but yeah. I learned so much about the defensive side of the ball. And you know, I never was a starter those two years. I was always second string, always behind my guy Artie Cook because I could never pass Artie. You, could, you know, was he was about, was, was better was than about one ninety five. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't <laughs> a big guy either. But you know, he was just awesome. And so I was yeah. Artie's backup for freshman and sophomore year, and then junior year, you guys came to me and said, "Hey." Q was my name, and well, that story is kind of funny. I'll just tell it here. Coach, you know the story. But I'll tell it for the listeners. Yeah. We yeah. had a senior defensive lineman named Duncan McCallum when I was That's a freshman Duncan, at Austin great College. Great man. Great Duncan. man. Yep, and he's from Austin, Texas, and he's a great guy, huge, big, good-in-the-weight-room guy. And so I was kind of intimidated by him as a freshman. Oh, yeah. He, you know, he intimidated me a few times. Yep, yeah, yeah. and so fall camp, you know, everybody's wearing the stickers on their helmet with your last name, and he looks at me, and he looks at my helmet, and he says, Koala Walaluski. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to work. That's too long. And he goes, uh, I'm just going to call you koala bear. And he goes, nah, that doesn't sound good either. I'm going to call you Q bear. And it just stuck. And yeah. I don't, I, to this day, I don't know if Duncan was trying to be funny or if he really thought koala should be spelled with a Q, which I could, I could kind of see that argument, but anyhow, Q just stuck. And so anyhow, so going into junior year, the coaches, you know, yourself and other coaches come up to me and say, you know, Q, we need help on the offensive line at right tackle. I, you know, I know you have an offensive line background. Would you be willing to do it? And at that time, I said, yeah, absolutely. And it, coach, it was like getting back on a bicycle, you know, or, or like, you know, you, you never forget how to ride a bike. Like, yeah. even though I played D line for two years, 
I felt robotic playing defensive line. It's not something I'd ever done. I was learning and I was listening closely to coach Dawson and my coaches and doing, trying to be a technician, but it was robotic for me. When I went back to right tackle, I felt like I was back in my skin again. And it was my best season. My junior year, I started all the games at right tackle, had a great season. You were also an all-conference, uh, nom- I mean, not nominee, honorable mention all-conference. Yeah. And one of the best Division three leagues in the country at the time. Yeah. No, Coach, so, we played Mary Hart and yeah. Baylor and all those don't, guys. But Don't sell yourself short. You were an outstanding offensive uh, I appreciate that, Coach. But here's, here's the thing. You know, the, 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 the name of this podcast is Team Player Podcast. If you talk to all my coaches from Austin College, they'd say I was the ultimate. I mean, from Austin High School, they say, oh, Kobo's the ultimate team player. The first three years of my time at Austin College, I was the ultimate team player. Something happened to me my senior year where, honestly, I just became a little shithead, in my opinion. And I'm just being totally honest. I share this with my kids all the time, where I let my, I became very selfish. And I don't know if it was the impending, like, seeing the end of the career coming and like always wanting to play tight end and things like that. Like it was a want that I always had, but never had the opportunity. And I don't know, man, coach or coach. I just, it really just consumed me to where I convinced myself, this is my best chance to be a good player. And this is where I, my skill set will fit in. And I, I was having trouble keeping the weight on because of my build and whatever, but I, it became all about me in that moment. And so we had had discussions where potentially there was a chance to maybe include a tight end in the offense. And I wanted to compete for that, but it just, it didn't happen that way. We ended up not using a tight end in the offense a senior year. And so a transition had happened for me where I changed my body. I had gotten faster. I'd gotten leaner. I'd worked on catching. And so I went from being a starting right tackle to playing essentially wingback my senior year. And I always tell this story too. I'm, I'm almost proud of myself that I got to second string. I don't know how the hell I did that, you know, but I was second string behind Jack Floyd. Who's just, he's a coach now and he's an awesome guy. He was great. But looking back on it, I'm, I'm really ashamed of my senior year at Austin college, to be honest with you. And I, coach, I mean, I'm just being honest. And I, I told this to all my kids, you know, I, I told them that story of even the great kids. Sometimes something happens where you just get a picture in your head and you go after it. And so I, instead of putting the team first, like I'd always done in my life for the first time in my career. And sadly enough, my last opportunity to play football, I put myself first and I regret that. And I share with the kids and the thing I share to the kids is always trust your coaches. That's the thing that I've learned looking back on my career and being a coach for 11 years, the coaches are going to put you in the right spot. When y'all made the decision to move me to right tackle, that's the, that was the best cue. That's the best I could be for the team right there. I had a great, I had a good season, you know? And when I came up to you at Legends, I came up and I gave a big hug. And the first time we'd actually been in person after that time, and I hugged you and I said, coach, I'm sorry for that bullshit my senior year. I love you. And that was just cathartic for me to say that to you and for you to reciprocate. And it just, it was a beautiful moment. But coach, you know, a lot of coaches listen to this. What do you do? And I, don't, I wouldn't call myself a problem kid. I was selfish, but I, I wasn't like a bad distraction or anything. I don't no, I hope not. You were not. But what do you do when you hard. have a kid like myself that kind of loses their way? They start thinking, because it happens all the time. They want to do a position change because they think it's better. But like, what advice can you give for coaches listening when they have someone like my situation, good kid just gets a bad idea in his head and, and you deal with that? Well, you know, it's a little bit different. You know, at, at our level, we deal with 18 to 21 year olds. And, yeah. and, and Q, I remember when you called me, I, I you know, I, I, I wasn't real happy about it, but I'm also a firm believer that if, if Q didn't want to do it, Q wasn't going to do it. And he wasn't, 
and he wasn't going to be productive. He was you're not right. going to be a productive player doing something you don't want to do. Right. But this is where you're too hard on yourself. But but regardless of what how Q felt, Q always, always, and I will always always gave a great effort. Yes, he always made sure that whatever he was asked to do, whether it was a zone block out of that wing back position, yeah. that Q was going to execute that. And you were a leader on our team and you were looked up on our team. So we weren't going to take all of those great things and throw them away. Right. And, and, you know, you look back, I could have handled that differently. You know, I, I could, I probably said some tough things. We should have found a way to maybe even, play you more and and you know you know we've got a couple other guys you know we, we we've talked about that and guys that were unselfish and maybe guys that were selfish but but i was young i wasn't young but but i had some selfishness in me too sure and to know that we could football allows you over a four-year eight-year whatever experience to create an experience man i respect you as a man i respected you as a man then and you never ever let us down your senior year you didn't, and and you know what? You've got to look back on your career, and you got to take pride in it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. did you play a new position? Did you do all that? But you were never a distraction. You were still one of the first guys there all the time. Right. <laughs> never pissed a uh, uh, missed a practice. Yes, sir. Somebody came into me twice and said, "What I got to do to play more?" And I basically just said, "Well, we're going to play who we need to play." And yes, sir. We'll if we can. But but no, man, you you need to lighten up on yourself about that senior year. You you played college football for four years. You're an unselfish player. Uh, I would take 20 cues. I, I wouldn't Thanks, trade Coach. anything. I, I, you know, I look back on my career and maybe I'm talking too much, but, you know, I played on championship teams, but, but you know, I never coached this championship team. And last night my wife and I stayed up till, you know, about, we stayed up late and, and I just was reflecting and I, I said, okay, what would I trade a championship for. Mm, well, yeah. I would never trade Q for a championship. Right. <laughs> I mean, I just wouldn't. Yeah. You know, so the championships, I mean, I mean, they're cool and and all of that, but I, I wouldn't trade one player that played for David Norman when he was the head coach from 1994 to 2005. Yeah. I wouldn't trade a championship for any one of you guys. And and I didn't get it probably at that time, but I, I get it now. And, and uh, you know, I just owe you guys so much. I mean, and, and I spend all of my time worrying about what I did wrong and worrying about, you know, sure. but then I see a great father, a successful person like yourself. You, you know, Q, I wouldn't trade a championship from looking at a picture with you and your wife and your child yeah. dressing your yeah. Michigan gear, I wouldn't trade it. If someone said, "Hey, you can win three conference championships if you never had Q," screw screw that. Excuse yeah. me. No, it's okay, I coach. Do it, man. I, I uh, and and I need you to lighten up on yourself uh, about your senior year. You were not a selfish player. You were doing what Q wanted to do. I was not going to take a a round peg and try to drive through a square hole. Sure. But your leadership and, and and what you meant to your teammates and what you meant to us, you know, that 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 is what's transformational. I appreciate that, Coach. And like I said, I mean, I, it was cool at the end. I mean, I, got, I caught a couple passes, you know. I, I oh, got yeah. to experience some things. You know, I caught a pass against Harden-Simmons and, and got lit up, you know, by those guys. But that was, like I said, if I could do it differently, I would. But at the end of the day, like you said, 
you got to just keep moving. And I actually kind of do appreciate that that's something I could share with my players. And so whenever I had a player, maybe that was kind of exhibiting some of those things that I was doing, I could share my experience and I think it was helpful. So coach, thank you for being so uh, classy and graceful through that whole experience with me. And I'm glad that we, we had that moment at legends. And yeah, so I love all of that coach. Now, Another thing about your coaching that I didn't even know this till I talked to Pat Abernathy. You're a hell of a baseball coach too. So let, let's talk about your time because we, you know, we know you as the football coach at Austin College. What about out of the Diamond coach? Tell us, tell us about Austin College baseball. Well, you know, back then we had like five people in the entire department. Now we have 24 <laughs> coaches. I mean, right. things have changed, but we just did it all. So yeah. I wanted to come back. Mel Churchman hired me as a football coach, and I said, "Hey, you got to play. You got to coach. You, you have to be the head baseball coach." I had never played baseball. I had coached baseball at a ninth grade year one time and Pat Abernathy, who is a great coach himself. I, I don't know if you know this, but you know, guy won a state championship yes. in Colorado and lacrosse. That's right. Great yeah. coach himself. You know, the only thing that I told our baseball team is look, you've been playing baseball all your life. You know the game. Yeah. I don't know the game. Yeah. But I do know the benefits of getting here early. I knew the benefits of being a teammate and all of that. And, you know, my first year at Austin College, we I mean, my second year, we won, we won 22 baseball games. That was unheard of. Wow. Took over a program that had just – that had went 1-34 the year before. We won our first – we were 14-2 and two the first year. It wasn't because David Norman was a great coach. It's just I believed in our guys. I trusted our guys. And those guys trusted me. And I have such great relationships with those baseball guys – and then three years later, I was named a head football coach and never been back on a diamond since. Sure. But uh, I wouldn't trade that experience. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. When I was a when I was the offensive coordinator here, January rolled around, and I'd feel kind of sick in my stomach. Well, I got to go do baseball, and mm. and that was piss poor. That was piss poor for me. So you talking about a selfish person? I mean, we've all been through that. Right. But how do you learn yeah. from those experiences? But my baseball time was just a, a bunch of great young men. And they knew I didn't know anything about the game, but but if I told them we were going to hit and run, we were going to hit and run. I, yep. I mean, if I told them we were going to steal a base, we were going to steal a base. Uh, you know, but, you know, and then I also had some mentors at the time, not here, but I went and talked to legends in baseball. Yeah. And one of the guys' name is Jack Allen. Some of your older people listening to this would understand Jack. Jack was a great baseball coach, pro level, Tarleton State, and I'd never coached baseball. And I said, Coach, I want to I want to drive down to Stephenville and I just need some help before I start this first baseball season. We met at a bar. We we poured three fingers. Yep. And uh, he said, I said, Coach, tell me, you know, where do we start? He goes, David, it, it ain't that hard. <laughs> you hit the ball, you run 90 feet, you take a 90 degree turn to your left, you run 90 degrees. <laughs> and it just simplified everything. And and that's where it just came down to let's just be there for each other. And and Q, like I said, I mean. You don't even know. I mean, but you were there for me, you know, yeah. at times. Every player that we had was there for me at some time. So I wouldn't trade that baseball experience right now. I keep up with those guys. Those guys were one of our best baseball teams in Austin College history. But I promise you, I mean, my first game, I was so insecure, I didn't even coach third base. Wow. All right? I, had a, yeah. I had a volunteer assistant do it. And we we won one out of three the first, first game. Mm -hmm. And my seniors came to me. They had no reason to do that. You know, Phil Novickis, the Wayne Whitmires, those guys. And they said, Coach, you're our coach, and we want you on third base. Yeah. And I coached third base yeah. that whole time. Made some poor decisions, made some bonehead calls, but it, it was <laughs> a lot of fun. I wouldn't trade it for anything.
That's great, coach. And one thing I wouldn't trade in my memories, you know, my memories of Austin College, I think of, I think of guys like Brandon Rushing, you know, leading oh. us to the three game and, you know, what's good for the left is good for the right, you know, exactly. and I'm a kangaroo, you yeah. know, I, I just, I, those yeah. are fond memories. But another fond memory is being on all of our trips when you'd pop Tombstone in the old uh, DVD player. <laughs> so just, I'm curious, what's the significance of Tombstone? Like, what's the story behind why that was our go-to movie at all times? Well, you know, I think when you were here, we didn't have the budget we had now. We might have all gotten on one bus. or I don't know if we I got I think we had two, like an offensive-defense so bus. Two, uh, yeah, that's well, it, yeah. I don't know if you remember. I, I didn't do an offensive and defensive bus. Maybe well, it wasn't. I, yeah, I think it was two buses. I forget what the split yeah, was. Yeah, what I did was I put all the upperclassmen on one bus. There you go. Assistants. Yeah. And I got on bus, too, with all the freshmen and sophomores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know. I just, I just loved Tombstone. I, I think there's a story – of not giving up about what family is and, and all of that. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know if I, you know, the guys that rode on my bus, I said, oh, okay, you know, we're not going to have any comedies. I don't want any so-and-so, any so-and-so. Yeah. You bring movies. They'd all bring their movie, and I'd just plug Tombstone in there. And that's <laughs> what we do. And to this day, I watch Tombstone, and I can't pull away from it. I always think of And you guys, when y'all – communicate with me whether it's something on facebook or something like that y'all always talk about tombstone always tombstone coach right. and that was always but i do remember like i wouldn't have found out about the movie all the right moves you showed i would never have oh. known but like tom cruise at ampi high school up there in Pen steel town yeah. pennsylvania yeah. that's a good movie <laughs> well it's a great movie because it's just about you know we were never the biggest the strongest yeah. the fastest i mean it just was what it was right so, sure you know and, and no disrespect i'm gonna say something people may take it wrong but you know, a guy that scores an 1,100 on the SAT, sometimes he don't run as fast as those guys scoring a 700. <laughs> and, you know, those are, sure, sure. you know, but, yeah. but it, it was just, uh, you know, go, going back to the national championship, okay? Yeah. Great time. You know, we won a national championship, and we did our 10-year reunion, and we all came back, and we watched the game, and we did all that. Then we did our 20-year reunion, and we had a game running, but I looked around, and nobody was watching the game. What were we talking about? The bus trips to Soul Rock. Sure. We were talking about yep. the, the funny things that would have happened yep. anyway without a championship. Then we got together 40th a couple of years ago. We didn't even talk about the game. We right. just talked about That's the things beautiful. That, That's that beautiful. Made, it, made it special. And, and uh, you know, and, and, and I don't know everything that made it special for y'all, but I could promise you it's probably no different than what made it special to me. Absolutely. It, it, was, it was, you know, it was those trips home, those trips together being in the being in the locker room before a game and and feeling it and believing it and and then afterwards it was the fun part that's where the life experiences came in sure so, um yeah just it's just a it's just a special just a special time for me and uh been very blessed to be here last austin college question i have and I, I ask this for all my guests whenever you enrolled at Austin College did you already know you wanted to coach or, or were you planning to do something else with your life after college <laughs> you know my dad was a high school coach sure yeah and I came to Austin College this is a true story okay I went I was going to be a chiropractor okay yeah like Mr. Wren our kicker Big Sandy <laughs> yeah you know we would have this chiropractor had a chance to be around a bunch of great people you know and he would come and do all this stuff to us and you know yeah. What I want to do, and then I took my first biology class. You know, and I only <laughs> took my first biology class for about the first two weeks, and then I was gonna, I'm gonna be an accountant. I don't know why. I'm just gonna be an accountant. 
And I went to a uh, calculus class. It was required. Guy's name was Edon Williams. He hired me as the head football coach here. And I was I was a freshman. I went to pre-calculus. We didn't have grease boards in. He whittled down chalk first day of class. And I raised my hand and I said, Dr. Williams, could you slow down a little bit? And he goes, uh, what's your name? I go, I'm David Norman. He goes, you a freshman, Mr. Norman? I said, yes, sir. He goes, I'm going as slow as I can go. <laughs> he goes, I literally did this. He'll laugh about a day. I had drop slips in my pocket. I went, can you slow down long enough to sign this drop? <laughs> but I really didn't commit to the whole teaching and and, and teacher mm. and coaching thing until my, my junior year. But as you know, what I've learned is we have a great teacher education program. Mm -hmm. Yep. And a guy like John White, he really saved me. I, I mean, my oh, first yeah. two years, you know, I would bring you guys in yep. and scold you and all that. And the reason why I could scold you is because I lived through that. Yeah. And, and if I have a regret about my undergraduate experience is that I didn't take academics more seriously my first two years. My mm -hmm. junior, senior year, it was all great yeah. and all that. Yep. But, uh, but, but yeah, I, I, I feel like I was called to be a coach. Um, coaching has done more for me than I've ever done for it. And the Lord has blessed me. And, you know, I've been in a minute, haven't coached since 2005, except for one stint as a cross country coach when we started the program. But, uh, it, you know, for all you guys that say I want to get out of coaching, okay, it's a special breed. Yeah. But, you know, I got into administration, and I'd probably have to tell you what the things I deal with now run run from that because you get, you you lose the most yes. important thing that makes it special. You lose working with your players one-on-one. -on -one. I see our players all the time. They come and they ask me questions about academics and personal things, and that's the best part of my day. But, you know, remember when you were a coach, about an hour before practice, you didn't think about anything else. Right. You didn't worry that you didn't have enough money in your bank account. You didn't worry about what needed to be done, the card. And, and, and coaching, especially when you're on that field, we weren't thinking about anything else. Yeah. And, and it was a great, I don't know if it removed us from reality or whatever, but I miss that because my issues now, and I, they're not all bad issues. I mean, they're with me 24 seven, yep. you know, so that, that's what I miss about coaching. And then I miss the one-on-one -on -one relationships. You know, I hope, I hope, you know, your senior year, you talked about that, but I don't think there wasn't a day that I didn't ask you how you were doing. Absolutely. No doubt. I don't yeah. think there was a day that I didn't But I miss those one-on-one -on -one times, yeah. you know, I, w with the student athlete. But I still, as department chair, you know, I still communicate with all 400 of our student athletes. You know, that's another difference. Yeah. I was hired in uh, 1989, and I mean, we had – we had 187 student athletes and we had seven sports. You know, now we have 400 student athletes wow. in 50 sports. So it, it's been transitional. But yeah. Co Coach, I couldn't agree with you more. And that, I mean, that, that's the reason why I'm out of coaching is because my dream was always to be a high school head football coach. I knew that ever since I was a seventh grader. And I did. I got lucky as an assistant. I got onto a good program at, at Fort Bend Ridge Point, was a defensive coordinator, was very successful. I mean, in my head, I'm like, man, I'm going to be this, I'm going to, you know, I wasn't a good enough player to make the legends, but maybe I can make Austin college legends as a coach, you know, cause I had this great career trajectory. But when I became the head coach at Aldine high school, and despite all the history at Aldine high school, it's, it had changed a lot since the nineties and we struggled, you know, win loss wise, we struggled. And, but the thing beside even the wins and losses, I was, I love being the head football coach at Austin at Aldine high school. 
I did not like being the campus athletic coordinator. Those things you're describing, those different types of problems. The thing that drove me, hurt me the most, coach, was managing my coaches that were infighting. So managing the volleyball coach and the girls' basketball coach fighting about sharing athletes or sharing gym time. They, coach, that broke me because I just wasn't yeah. – I'm, 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 I'm from a team player kind of background. I wasn't used to coaches infighting and yeah. they having to be the person to manage that. So that's what led me. And I was young, and I said, hey, this was my dream. This wasn't exactly what I dreamt of. I'm young. Maybe I'll just try something else because it just – I don't know. I was in that, in that stage where I wanted to try a new career. And that's what I did. And I'm in sales now. And I saw you guys have a Dactronics scoreboard at Jerry Apple. So great. great <laughs> coach. There you go. Smart man. Yeah. You're a smart athletic director, coach. Yeah, we, we, we went away from the, the other uh, competitor you had. There we go. We won't have to say their name. Either. Very, but no, but coach, so for me, I just, I wanted something new. I work for Dactronics, but I love doing this podcasting. And I, I commentate high school football games every weekend. I'm doing stuff. So I'm, I yeah. still love the game. I love seeing guys like uh, Reed Heim at Denton oh, Geyer, yeah. like these big Austin College guys doing great things ben moran you know our buddy yeah, out there at frisco yeah, independence and yeah. there's so many more so our brandon rushing yeah. i mean there's so many great coach brian womack i go on and on yeah about a great baseball coach absolutely too. that guy is, yeah. is unbelievable and you know this past weekend was very special for me we had a great player here named jeff reardon uh yeah, jeff, jeff reardon yep state <laughs> uh, i got to see I, I just went i i took friday off and just went and watched him play a game he didn't even know i was coming i didn't say anything to him and but I got to be around coaches, you know, and all of that. So, yeah, it, it was special. But you know, you gotta you gotta have a, a a different mindset. You know, walking a you know being making the change out of out of out of coaching was was very hard on me. But yeah. I was very fortunate to be at Austin College. But I, I think you guys know this. I told y'all when when we had that team meeting, and and um, you know, it, it was just time for a change. Right. I mean, I didn't feel like I had a new message. And once you get to a point where you feel like you can't make a difference, you know, and and, and I struggled with my self-worth for many years after that. Sure, sure. You know, but what got me through that were you guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, you know, we stayed in touch and, 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 you know, you know, we talk about, you know, I don't want to name names, but, you know, Derek Ruthart and I had a very special yeah. interaction you know it just it was small it was five minutes but it it meant the world yeah. to me so you'll never replace those relationships you just take those and 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 no you're, you're right about you know we're very fortunate at awesome college you know the the one thing all of our coaches have in common is they're underpaid and they're overworked <laughs> sure. Right? sure and and every one of their um issues are important to them but you know it's just like a like when I was a football coach, I mean, we, we going to sit around the table. We're going to work this out. Right. It's got to yeah. be win-win. We may not get everything we want, but we're not going to leave this meeting where you won everything and you lost something. It's either win-win yeah. or no deal. You I love know? that. I love that. And, uh, I love that. And, and, you know, and I stole that from some book I read, but it, but it, that that's, that's how we do conflict management here. It's win-win or no deal. And if it's no deal, then I guess nobody's practicing. So <laughs> so we find a way oh. to work through that. So. I wish I had picked up the phone and called you during those hard times at Aldine because I actually love that advice. I love – that is great advice, and I appreciate you sharing that. Now, one last football question. You mentioned going out to Texas Stadium. A team that took home the, 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 the title this year was Gunner. And I know we had we had a we had a girls' basketball player from Gunner <laughs> during my time in Austin College, so I knew a little bit about Gunner. Yeah, Gunner. Yep, yeah, but – 
That was your first coaching job. You did one year of junior high and one year of high school. So I got to tell you, back way back then, did you see Gunner becoming what they are today? I'm sure it was a very different well, Gunner at that time. They had a great superintendent that kind of laid the groundwork with that. Yeah. Now, the year I was at Gunner, we were one and nine. Okay? Sure, but wow. I was, but it was yep. my. It actually, Q, you remember this? It was actually my graduate year. So mm, you know, yep. and at that yep. time, the ATP they put you in a full time job, mm-hmm. and the guy was a great guy. But you know, here I am. I'm I'm what 22 years old, and he goes, "You're the defensive coordinator." Oh my god! <laughs> you know, so. So we learned a lot, you know, what to do and maybe what not to do. But it's sure. funny. Yeah. You know, I still stay in communication. But but Gunner, you know, it's your typical small town. It reminds me a lot of Big Sandy. I drove through it the other day on my way to AT&T Stadium, and yeah. they had just won their state championship. But but it's, uh, it's, it's still a small town. That guy does a heck of a job. But if you look at Gunner, what are the they're, – they're not going to be the most talented mm-hmm. team on the field. But I haven't seen anyone yet out-execute them or out-effort them. Sure. I, w- you know, I hope we have a pipeline, Coach. I, I, I hope a lot of our players at AC are Gunner kids now because, I mean, I think well, that could lead to yeah, some good things. We, we picked up a young man from Gunner last year. Great. And then we're, we obviously have some on the radar this year. But, you know, the tough thing about Division three football, I mean, very honestly, is, you know, Texas high school football is just – sure. No disrespect, just lost his mind. I mean, <laughs> you know, so sometimes if a guy plays at this 5A, 6A high school, they've already played at AT&T Stadium, they've already yep. been on national TV, yep. you know, they they feel fulfilled with that. So it takes Understood. a special guy to come and play Division Three. You were special. You know, you played at that big high school, and, you know, you come up here, and, and, and you know, the, the college is smaller than your graduating class. And, sure, it's true, so, yep. So, but that that's what's tough. I mean, you know, you get fulfilled, and and sometimes it's 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 time to close a chapter and open another one. But uh, yeah, we're we're hoping to continue to get some Gunner kids up here, and I, we think we feel pretty confident we're going to get a couple of those guys. But you know, we need them. We it's just all about changing the culture, and and uh, you know, but the culture was was never terrible. We'll talk sure. about that later when we talk about Mount Rushmore. But, uh, you know, our new football coach is doing a great job. But, you know, it's going to take us – you know, we have a great program. As an athletic director, it's not a challenge. I, our president will tell you. I answer directly to our president. Mm-hmm. And I just tell him, look, I, I'm tired of – got to find ways to win now. Okay? Sure. And it doesn't mean that winning is going to be the most important thing. But we got to give our players uh, and coaches a better chance to feel like they can win on Saturday or, or whatever. I will tell you this about our new president. He's invested more in athletics, no disrespect, than anyone sure. in the history of Austin College. And, you know, we're getting – we're just making some headways. And we couldn't do that without a strong alumni base, and we couldn't do that without a strong president. And our president is is a great president. Love to hear it, Coach. And I mean, I, I'm not the most successful of, of money making wise as some of our alumni. I'm sure oh, Dr. Ellington, I'm sure, can write a bigger check than I can. My good, our good friend Matt Ellington, our center, but he's an orthopedic surgeon. But <laughs> I did contribute to the turf fund. I got you, with JR or yeah, I saw you guys you have it going. And, know, and, I, and I need to thank you for that. And I think maybe I've said something to that. I need everybody to understand we we get there quarter at a time, nickel at a time. Yep. You, yep. you know. We've got some great alums out there, but you know, we're, you know, we, we don't have the one that that owns Walmart. We sure, don't have a, sure, sure. You know, but you know, we just finished a three and a half million dollar football renovation. Yep. One hundred percent of that was fundraised. Beautiful. One hundred percent of that was fundraised with a gift of twenty five dollars. 
mm-hmm. up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. So yeah. we got there as a team, and and Q, you your gift was is just as big and just as important as any other gift because you came from yes. your heart. Yes, sir. And I'm not trying to do a, a fundraising spill for everybody, but yeah, you know, I, I see some of our guys now and. And they say, Coach, come down, you know, let's have a drink. Let's have three fingers. And I go, yep. you know what? What what would that night cost us? Probably a hundred bucks. I go, Well, why don't you let me come down and buy the drinks? You give the hundred bucks cost in college. Love you it. Know? Uh we, we all paid eighty-five dollars down our leg. I shouldn't say <laughs> every month. You know, well, sure. eighty-five dollars a month is a thousand dollars a year. But anyway, let uh, now, now the AD is taking over. I hear no, and you and you and Jr. Orr, you know, our old court, uh, one of quarterbacks. You know, he he's with you now in your department, and I don't know. I just I understand from being a coach how important the turf is with weather and, and practice and maintaining field. So I I definitely wanted to contribute to that. And then on top of that, just seeing the ability to play a night game at Jerry Apple Stadium, I just yeah, I'm so happy we're gonna for those bring kids. those back. You know, and and, yeah. and unfortunately, you know, people people ask me all the time, I just have more night games. You know, really, the visiting team in Division Three they dictate the. That's target. a big fact, no doubt. The travel, because, no doubt. Know, yeah. Those guys don't want to get on a bus at 11 p.m. and get home at 5 a.m. and things like that. But you know, not to get—I'm not a political guy and all that. But anyone that thinks that is not hotter, uh, they, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. So sure. we actually had to do the night game. We were scheduled at one o'clock, but we did it for the health of our kids. Absolutely. I mean, this past year, so we're gonna we're gonna have more night games and give a chance for guys like you maybe to come up because you've got your families. And so sometimes an evening game is better for that, but yeah, it's very exciting. Very exciting to be up here. And coach last thing on your resume, you you did coach at Denison, the yellow jackets from 84 to 88. And I just, I love that rivalry, the Sherman Denison rivalry. I believe it's called the battle of the ax, you know, and it's something that I yeah. followed. Like when I was there, I'd like to watch on TV. And I think maybe even one year went out there. Cause we'd have teammates, you know, from both teams and just, it's just such a great rivalry. I mean, do you have anything you can share about that battle of the axe? I just love uh, rivalries. I mean, unless you've been a part of it, but it's it's just a different week. It's yeah. a different feel at the stadium. And, you know, what was unique at that time was I actually taught Sunday school at the First United Methodist Church in Sherman when yeah. I was an assistant coach for Denison. And, but, uh, you know, Texas high school football is just, it's just, it's, it's, when I said I lost his mind, it's not. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. And, and you know, I was at the game, you know, last Friday. And, you know, you know what did we have at halftime? We had two bands. We had dance mm-hmm. things. Well, they, they'll never be in AT&T Stadium. <laughs> sure, know? yeah, of course, yeah. Just yeah. opens all that. But, yeah, the Denison thing was great. I actually, you know, you really impacted my life. And, you know, so I took time to start to think about coaches that meant a lot to me. And. I talked to Marty Criswell, the guy who hired me at Denison. And, yeah. You know, they were three and seven the year before. And he said, come on. And people said, don't go to Denison. They're a dying horse. Well, all we did the first year was go 14 and 0 and win a state championship. I mean, so. Wow. Marty Criswell was just an amazing, amazing person, gave me a chance. And I still keep up with those guys. You know, those guys are now 45 and 50 years old, just like my college players are now 40 and yeah. you know, like that. And I- so, so, yeah, Denison was a great four-year experience and had a chance to come back to Austin College and that's where I've been ever since. I didn't know that coach and you I I always keep records on this I think you might you're my second guest who has won a championship both as a player and a coach but you've done it you've done it at the high school and college levels as a player and high school as a coach so that's phenomenal coach that is that is excellent You've, you've really been around a lot of championships man that's really cool. 
Well, it, it has been. And, and the thing you, you realize is that everybody has a role and, and everybody, it's just a special time. And, uh, you know, I have all my championship rings up there yeah. and people ask me why I don't wear them. I, I don't wear them because, you know, that, that was yesterday. I really want yeah, to focus yeah. on today and tomorrow. But but I, I just had a chance to be around great people. I don't know if I impacted it at all, but, you know, just being around great people was very cool. Awesome, Coach. Love to hear that. Now, the, the next portion of our show, this is a little more serious and I don't know if you knew this about me, Coach. I don't know if we'd ever broached this topic, but I actually came from a dysfunctional home. You know, my, my dad was an abuser. You know, he was very abusive kind of personality. And so I, I was the kid that every night I'm up in my room just praying to God I can fall asleep so I don't have to listen to my parents fighting downstairs. And this was every night. And so I would just hopefully fall asleep in the morning. Get And I just wanted to get the hell out of there. Just School was my escape. I was a kid that loved school because I could get away from my home life you know and so even though like on the surface i seem like oh q must come from a great background because he's so nice and student and this that and the other it couldn't be further from the truth but i had coaches like yourself at the high school level too that were like relationship centered you know my offensive line coach was the one like i wanted him to be my dad you know like that's what i dreamed i I saw the way he treated his family i was like i want to be like coach kitterman someday and so athletics kind of saved my life i feel like it was my outlet and I think that there's so many kids like that. And so now that I'm not coaching anymore and I'm up in the bleachers and, or doing broadcasting, I see some of the negative behaviors. I could be wrong, but I feel like they're kind of getting worse. Maybe social media makes it feel worse. But I do see more parents yelling at officials or complaining about coaches or just negative stuff. And it just, Coach, to be honest, for someone that I understand how important and valuable coaches are, it pisses me off to see people wow. disrespecting coaches. And I just feel like... I worship the ground that my coaches walked on coming up, growing up as a, a young kid. And it's like, now people are just so disrespectful. Just, I, I don't like it coach. And so my question to you, and you do this at a high level, you do it at a collegiate level. So maybe it's different, mm-hmm. but do you, are you seeing more negative behavior towards coaches? And if so, what can we do about it? Cause I think that's the worst thing we can do as a society. Uh, well, a, you're right. And, and that's the thing that's changed in college athletics over the last 35 years is, you know, when I first got into this thing, a parent, a parent at the college level would have never dreamed of, yeah. of, of talking to a coach or even the AD. Sure. And now we get that. And, and yeah. I don't know what I don't have the answer for that, you know, and and uh, but but I just think that parents, if they could do one thing is understand that their child is in this game for themselves, not for the parents. And yeah. and I think we we we've lost sight of that, and I don't think you know. And, and the social media doesn't help. I mean, look at the things we're doing even at Division Three, offers and this and NIL is drifted down. The transfer portal is huge on Division Three. Young man comes into me, or young player comes. I want to get on the transfer portal. Sometimes I just stop them in their tracks and go, "Okay, you want to get in the transfer portal? Why? Well, because I didn't play. Okay, and what makes you think?" That you're going to go to Maryland better, but what sure, makes you think sure, you know sure. those type of things? Yeah. But but you know not everyone has the support you know that I had in terms of a family, but coaches fill that gap. Absolutely. I mean, you know I deal with young student athletes every day. You know that they don't have a father, they don't have a mother, they don't have anyone. You know, and some of them you think come from a great family, but uh, but some of them are playing just because their parents told them they have to play. Right. Right. You know, and 
And I really work through those things with a lot of our players. Mental health now for our young people is is, is so crucial because they live in a different world that that you did, and I lived in a different world than than you did. And you know, but but there's nothing that's private anymore. You can't be your safe. You're, you're judged on everything, and I think it is a reflection of of, of social media and uh, everybody thinking that they can say what they want to say and. No, you know, I, I'm in some of our contests, I'm appalled at the way. At the way we act sometimes in the stands. Yep. And yep. and we do things a little bit different here. I mean, we have a game day administrator and good. And I feel like that's not taking care of it. I'll just walk down and just, you know, you don't make you. I, hey, I love it, coach. I love boom, this. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. And, you know, well, we'll see you. We'll do it. Okay, fine. You know, have your people call my people. We're all. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but I, I do see that happening. But I think it's more of a reflection from the top down. I mean, you know, you, you you watch it every Saturday, you watch it every Sunday, and one of the things that those fans have going for them that we don't sometimes at Division Three or high school is, you know, they're in a they're in a set of stands with a hundred thousand people, so no one really hears what they say anyway. They're just mm-hmm. all yelling. Mm-hmm. But it's just really sad, you know, just just how the outside forces of athletics are really giving athletics a, a bad name. I, yeah. I, and I don't have the answer, you know, I'm 62. Sometimes I think the answer is, you know, fish or cut bait and just instead of dealing with it, just drink coffee from a porch every morning. But uh, wow. I wish I had an answer, but, but I am disappointed in it, but we talk about sportsmanship. We talk about sportsmanship with our parents. It doesn't always work, but uh you know, we make it real clear to our parents. I mean, as an athletic director, I said, listen, you're the health and safety of your of your child, you're their precious child. That's my number one priority. Yep. You can call me anytime if you think those are being impacted, but never call me about why your son or daughter doesn't play. Yep. Never call the coach about why they don't play. You, we deal with adults here, 18 to 21. We'll talk to them about that. Right. But uh, it still filters. I, I can't believe how many phone calls I get. I want to talk to you because Coach so-and-so recruited my son and he hadn't played. Still get that, you know. So. Well, coach, that's a shame, you know. And I, it is. I don't, I don't know what changed. I, 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 I feel like it has to go back to parenting somehow. And our, and I know our parents were raised by the older generation, and it was maybe more authoritative. So maybe, maybe they're trying to compensate and be more friends with their kids. Maybe that's part of it. They feel like they have to protect, protect, and protect. Because you know how it was for us, coach. I'm sure you were the same. We just went outside and played till it got dark, and then we're out all by ourselves. I mean, there yeah. wasn't helicopter parenting. Back in there, the there time. Was a, and, and, you know, going back to, to parents, you know, sometimes we're, we're, we parent the way that we were parented, mm. you know, but then there are heroes. Yeah. You just shared a very, very personal thing yeah. about your, about your other, and you're not that kind of father. You break yeah. that chain. Someone's yeah. got to break that chain. Someone's got to have the courage to do that. And, you know, both of my children are adult children now. I have two grandkids. Yeah. We get together and all I do is talk about, well, I wish I wouldn't have done this and I wish I wouldn't have done that. And, and they, just like you, I wish I would have coached differently. Yeah. I wish I would have responded to you differently. Yeah. And they just go, Dad, don't, don't worry about right. that. You know, but um, but everyone's, we're just trying to keep up with the Joneses, man. Mm. You know what? Mm-hmm. Not every child is going to be a first-round draft pick. Not sure. every child is going to be a Division One player. Both of my children did not play high school athletics. Yeah. But my son went to TCU on a jazz bass guitar. Yeah, scholarship. yeah. Yep. You know, my daughter is a is a musician as well. And I tell our student athletes, 
you know, especially when we have this infighting, well, football is more important or volleyball is more important or whatever. I go, listen, everybody works hard. We just wear different uniforms. Right. That's all we do. So, but I don't have an answer. Um, and, and it's, and it is the thing that makes you realize, okay, where, where are you making a difference? And, and if you're not making a difference, then, then you need to say, where can, what else can I do to make a difference? And I'm at a different time in my life than you are. Sure. Uh, but, but I commend you for what you're doing. You know, this podcast is very important because you're carrying on that lineage, but yeah, I, I, I am, I am somewhat concerned about the future of athletics and where it's going. I'm thankful for people like you, though, Coach, because I think that the, the problem is in our society, like you mentioned, the people said, I'll sue you. That's a problem because I think people are learning that if they want something, all they need to do is complain about it enough and eventually yeah. leadership will cave, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, I just love, I think what we need is leaders like yourself and, and support from the people above them. No. Sometimes you got to just tell somebody, no, you know, yeah. you can't get what you want. <laughs> You know? I, I had a current student student athlete that came in and and she's now reached back out to me and said she was so thankful for our visit. She came in just to, to complain about her coach. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not playing. I'm up, 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 up. Coach is doing this. Coach is doing that. And I said, oh, okay, then then why are you playing? You know, we're not going to change the coach. Well, I'm not playing. I said, okay. Do you realize that every coach's decision to play someone is subjective? I mean, you could say it's subjective all you want to and look at stats, do this and all that. At the end of the day, the coach is going to play who gives his team or her team the best chance to win. And that's not personal. But by the end of that conversation, she had decided to close the chapter and take that time and effort to open it back up. And she's happier than she's ever been. That's awesome. But they feel, you know, we spend too much time telling people, you know, if you if you don't finish what you started, you're a quitter. I, I call I call bullcrap on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, you you have to do what's best for you, and if and if this isn't meeting, well, just take the energy you put to that and put it into something else. Sure. I mean, Q, you poured your heart and soul into coaching, but guess what you're doing now? You're yeah. pouring your heart and soul into this podcast. That's right. Yeah. Into your family, you're you're no more less tired than you are. Yeah. You know. So, sure. but I just. You know, I just think we got to change the way we feel because you're not a quitter. You're not. No, man, you still make a difference. And too many people think that you're just judged on whether you play or not. And that is so irrelevant. It it really is, you know. That's great insight, Coach. And I mean, I think it's valuable for all of our listeners. And we're kind of getting we're done with the serious stuff. And so now just for the fun things to close out. um, Everybody knows I'm a Jersey collector. That's my one hobby, Coach. I don't I don't hunt. I don't fish. I don't golf. Wow. The only thing I, I spend my money on is jerseys. This one. I'm wearing an Austin College 65 jersey. So that was actually my number when I was playing right tackle. Yeah, that was my actual jersey, Coach. I I didn't steal it uh, from my jersey or anything. I when when Derek Ruther and I were working at the physical plant, you, <laughs> you sent us one day up into the attic above uh, Huey Gymnasium, uh, or Richard, say Richardson Gymnasium. We went up uh-huh. there and told us to clear out the boxes of old jerseys. Yeah. I saw yeah. this one. And I was like, dude, I like Thank this you. one. This Thank is like from you. that like Aaron Kernick like 2000 era. Like I like this yeah. jersey. I'm gonna keep yeah, it forever. Well, well, so I kept know, I can't it. Send you the current jerseys because they're all too small. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like large, you know the way they cut them now. Yeah. But- 
Hey, but, man, you got to send me your mailing address and stuff because I do got something I want to get in the mail to you after Kevin. Sure, yeah, I will definitely do that, Coach P. Yeah, so I'm, I'm wearing an Austin College jersey. You know, Austin College is special, but I also want to allow you a chance to give flowers to your, your wife, Margie. And she is also an Austin College institution. I remember always going, you know, to, uh, to the Career Center to visit with her when I was getting ready to transition out know, of college. And she was always so helpful and just such a friendly face, uh, you know, and supportive yeah. person. And I saw on social media, you recently celebrated your anniversary. So I just want to give you an opportunity here to give, give flowers to your lovely wife, Margie. Well, you know, Margie and I, uh, I mean, I'm nothing without Margie. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I have somebody in my life that loves me unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And you know what's sad? Sometimes we take those people for granted. Sure, sure. But Margie is the rock. She She's always loved me. She hasn't always liked me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> probably shouldn't have. But, you know, we had our 40th anniversary, and we, yeah. and we reflected back on things. And she sent me that thing. I just posted it. You know, I'll post silly stuff on Facebook now. But, you know, a, a happy marriage is is basically the commitment of two imperfect people right. not getting up on each other. Yep. And, you know, Margie and I, we, we've had our ups. We've had our downs. Yep. We've had our sideways. I, I really look back at some of those downs and sideways, and I hold myself responsible for that, but she just never gave up on me. And she is, you're talking about someone that's transformational. Yeah. In her job at Austin College, she gets them ready for that next step. That's right. You, you know, that's and right. and I love her so much. We're leaving tomorrow for Colorado to be around awesome. our grandkids. Awesome. And we're going into the twilight of our career and, it, you know, deciding do we want to wake up and just hold hands and drink coffee or will we drive each other crazy? <laughs> you know, those type of things. But, but yeah, we, we celebrated 40 years and, and she's the love of my life. I mean, I met her That's at great. Austin College. Yeah. I don't have Austin College. I don't have her. So. Well, Thanks speaking, for- you guys are the first family of Austin College, in my opinion, both you and Margie. So it's yeah, only fitting. We always like to end up the Mount Rushmore segment. So, of course, Mount Rushmore up in South Dakota, the four presidents. So I'm going to ask you, for your, if you could make an Austin College kangaroo Mount Rushmore, your personal David Norman's Mount Rushmore of Austin College kangaroos, who would they be? Well, you know, that's, that's such a tough deal to do sure. when you get to sure. an age like me because there are just, just so many. I mean, I, I wouldn't do four – four people, but I would just do a, a million, a yeah, thousand. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, obviously the people that meant a lot to me, it, you know, it's Bob Mason, you know, yeah. his name on the building. Yeah. Bob Mason was my academic mentor. Bob Mason hired me at Austin College. You know, and then I got to go back to Vance Morris, you know, Vance Morris. And I, I hate to name names because I'm leaving out a thousand people, but Vance Morris is that guy who I was getting ready to play a basketball game and he was at Big Sandy High School, and he waited until I got there to play in the game to tell me he wanted me to visit Austin College. Yeah. And if he would have just given up on that and left, I, I wouldn't have that. Yeah. So there's there's so many. I mean, I'd, I'd carve out a place for Q. I'd carve <laughs> out a place for, you know, that, you know, people ask me, that senior class my last year, yeah. we're one and nine. Yeah. I was like, I'm not so sure that wasn't one of my favorite teams. You know why? You guys came to work every day. Yeah. We, we didn't have a bunch of discipline problems. We right. had 6 a.m. practices. No one yeah. ever missed us. Yeah, you, yeah. You guys, made, you guys never gave up. You never gave up on me. And, uh, you know, so you guys have a shot. But but I do want to say this because I feel driven to say this. And and my job is not easy. No one's job is easy. But you mentioned him prior. Lauren Dawson's going to be on my Mount Rushmore. Amen. He's a tremendous man. And he has taught me more than he, he will ever know. 
his class, his character. You know, athletics is painful. And and athletics, you know, you do things that but you know, what about Coach Dawson? You know, he 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 uh you know no longer was our head football coach. And what did he do? He took everything that he's taught us, you know, life lessons, take it as it comes. Don't worry about things you can't control. God wins a championship this year and he's coach of the year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Lauren Dawson, you know, and it's, and there's so many other, there's hundreds of people. So I don't sure, sure, sure. hope anyone doesn't feel like it, but, but I did want to do a shout out to, to Lauren. We, we stay in touch, but not a lot, you know, but he, I, I just love that guy. Yeah. And I love him for what he did for you. I love him what he did for all the players that played for him. Amen, Coach. Well done. I gave you a monumental task, you know, because it's impossible. Because, I, like you said, I know you'd want to carve out a spot for every single one of us. But I appreciate that. If you all have enjoyed this episode as much as I have, again, take five seconds. Give us the five-star rating. That will allow more people to help find the show. Hit the follow button to subscribe, and you'll get a new episode as soon as they come out every other Sunday. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kobo. That's Coach underscore K-O-B-O. Join the Team Player Revolution. Give me suggestions for future guests. You can DM me on Twitter, and I, I will reach out to that coach, and I'll bring him on the show. Or if you prefer email, you can hit us up at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by one of my former players, uh, Kaiser St. Cyr, did our cover art. And our intro and exit music is One More Good Enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Coach David Norman, thank you so much for coming on the show. Merry Christmas. Love you, Q. Tell all the fellows, tell them I love them too, and they know I mean that. Hey, man. Love you too, Coach. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch y'all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but you be told I need some therapy, initially ain't doing